0: Calling all car dealers in Ontario. Protect your clients from hefty insurance premium surcharges coming in September while simultaneously saving on your garage policy premium. With insurance premiums skyrocketing on high theft vehicles, your clients could save up to $12,500 over five years. Increase your profits and enhance your savings with Invisitrack Locate.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the September 15th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. This week, the Parliamentary Budget Officer warned it would take the federal government 20 years just to break even on the roughly $30 billion in taxpayer money it spent on electric vehicle battery plants currently being built by Volkswagen and Stellantis in Ontario. The federal government had originally said it would take just 5 years to break even. So what gives? Who's right? And what about that report, which you can read all about on our website, by the way? Is it flawed? My two guests today will break it all down. We'll hear first from Managing Director of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing, Brendan Sweeney, and then from the head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association, Flavio Volpe, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Brendan, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Hey, thanks,
2: Greg. Great to, uh, great to be back.
1: Yeah, it is, actually. Um, let's start here. What are your initial thoughts on the report from the Parliamentary Budget Officer this week?
2: Well, well, Greg, I'm a big bills fan, so I was already a bit in a bit of a mood this morning, you know, but no anyway, um uh, you know my initial thoughts were that I was happy that you know some of our work our modeling work uh, at the Trillium Network is being used to inform these discussions. So certainly, I was kind of happy about that. I guess I was a little disappointed about by the narrow scope of the report. And, and I found it really surprising that the PBO excluded so much of the supply chain or that they really just kind of focused on the battery plant, which is important. But, you know, so many of the associated activities and especially the, the battery materials production uh, that we're seeing just investment after investment coming down the pipe, like, you know, at points seemingly every week, um, these activities associated with the broader battery supply chain are tremendously valuable economically. You know, and pound, pound for pound, some of them, some of these activities, the economic impact of the activity itself rivals that of battery plants, although it's a little less actually, but it, it's, it's still quite high. Although they're just smaller investments, right? They're 300 person plants, not 3000 person plants, but but they're tremendously valuable. Uh, They're being distributed across the country to places that are not, you know, traditionally part of Canada's automotive industry's geographic extent. And, you know, so we're thinking parts of Quebec, uh, Kingston uh, looks like there'll be you know something up in, in northwestern Ontario, Sudbury, uh, and even you know the, uh, the ANC had a, a story last week I think about E three in Alberta. Um, so so that's really new and great and interesting. Um, and then you know some of those supply chain activities or the broader supply chain itself that really offers up this opportunity to cement canada as a leader in battery materials among democratically governed countries i don't know if we're seeing uh, this level of investment in the materials side uh, elsewhere so that's really exciting but that's why i was so surprised that all of the supply chain was left out of the, the pbo's analysis so my thoughts, just to sum them up on, on the report, was it's a bit cursory, right? Um, and, and it could risk confusing the readers or the general public about the real value or potential value of, of the EV battery supply chain, which is tremendous.
1: So I, I wanted to ask that. Does, does this report throw cold water on pursuing more EV battery investment because the headline number is 20 years versus the five years that we were told at the time of these investments. So what does it do to the public perception and does it throw cold water on pursuing
2: anymore? Well, I mean, it, it, um, it probably uh, elicits a reaction from the trolls. Um, but, you know, I hope not. I hope not. You know, I, I hope that among the cooler heads um, among the grownups, it, it doesn't throw cold water on the on, on future investment, I think you know. I think we all anticipate there's going to be more. And in some respects, uh, I hope, and maybe uh, maybe it's not just a hope. Maybe this is actually what's like what's happening. But I hope that it serves as an entry point or it ignites more dialogue about how important securing more battery investment, building out the supply chain is. And you know, just just this morning, kind of you've seen the opportunity that a couple of people, Minister Champagne. Uh, Flavio um, have have taken to, to you know communicate that in uh, in, in their own uh, in their own particular and direct and emphatic ways uh, so I hope it's not going to throw cold water on something that's really important and and conversely it could have the effect of just you know we're all we're all kind of back to work back to school after um, uh, a, a long a long hot summer so it could reignite the dialogue at a time when it's really important to reignite that dialogue.
1: It's funny because I said in an editorial meeting early on that the government would be playing defense. In fact, I wrote a column about it, playing defense uh, on this issue for years to come. And it seems like that's been the case ever since these things have been announced and the numbers have gone up in terms of the financial investment. Do you see the auto industry having to defend this for years to come or does it eventually go away because there will be proof in the pudding that it was a smart investment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think anything, you know, I think that's the nature of, of being the government or making these big decisions that, you know, you have to defend them. And I think uh, uh, you have to qualify them. You have to quantify them. You have to defend them. And, um, and you know, in a democratic world, you're going to have supporters. You're going to have naysayers. Uh, I, I think the... Um, I think the investments are going to prove to be worth it. They're certainly, they have a, a cost associated with them. They're expensive, but they're worth it, just like a lot of expensive things are often worth it, right? Um, you get what you pay for. Uh, and in this case, um, you know, in, in this, you know, competitive global environment and all that, in this IRA kind of uh, IRA world that we're living in now. It cost a few bucks to get, you know, the, to to win the transformative investments. But you know, when we think quantitatively about them, the economic benefits are tremendous. And and we've done at the Trillium Network, we've done uh, a, a great deal of work to help quantify and help people understand those economic benefits. And the more information we get, we're updating that work, and and so it's it's more and more current and. I'm more and more convinced that the economic benefits are massive um, especially as the industry gets established and gets moving and we've made those supply chain linkages. Um, We're making a lot of progress building that supply chain out across the province across the country. You know these things take time but we're making progress and and progress is progress. Um, Qualitatively this is kind of an interesting one and you know, there's some harder to define, harder to quantify benefits associated with these big battery plants, with the supply chain. And, you know, there's a notion that securing the battery plants um, helps secure not just the upstream investments, but also downstream investments, especially in EV assembly. I think Stellantis is a good example of that. And, you know, the folks in Brampton and what that relationship is going to be to the uh to, to the LG, to the Star plant in, in Windsor. It's, it's very, it's big, it's big, but it's a bit harder to kind of <laughs> prove mathematically. Um, I think um, more importantly and qualitatively, a Volkswagen investment and, you know, the LG Stellantis investments helps by putting Ontario and putting Canada on, on the radar of folks as a destination for more, large and transformative investments and or for more investments in support of you know the big volkswagen the big lg uh investments so you know i think if you speak with a lot of provincial with federal with municipal economic development folks these days um, they'd likely tell you that there is more interest and more potential projects in the pipeline than ever before and that's partly because other big competitive global companies are going to follow the lead of the Volkswagens and the LGs and the Toyotas of the world. And they'll say, hey, what do do, do they know about Ontario? What do they know about Canada? Let's let's go sniff around and and see what we find there. And I think a lot of them find some really good stuff and are increasingly choosing to invest or are considering investing here, which is great.
1: Before I let you go, very quickly, what does your organization peg as the number of years for this to pay off, um, today's report is 20. Uh, we were told five. What is the break-even point uh, that your research shows?
2: Uh, it, well, our, our research, because it's it's kind of economic modeling based on scenarios, it shows uh, a, a range of years to pay off. But then we say, okay, what are these different scenarios? You know, what's the scenario where things go off the rails? And and that's closer to you know 20 years. But things aren't going off the rails now. things are things are progressing pretty well. We're realizing these investments. Um, and you know, as we build out this domestic supply chain, our number is much more consistent with the federal government's number. We could you know probably. Kind of sit down and, and bicker over details, but but we'd be we'd be kind of uh, arguing over months, not years. So our um, under the scenario that we and we see unfolding now, that payback time, yeah, we're we're pretty well aligned with the federal government on this stuff, and and where we're not, you know, it's in decimal points, not whole numbers. If that makes
1: sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does. Always great to have you on the podcast. I appreciate your insight this week.
2: Right on. Thanks a lot, Greg. We'll be
1: right back after this short break.
0: Due to the alarming rise in vehicle thefts starting September 1st, 2023, Ontario drivers will face a brand new substantial surcharge to their already high insurance premiums to many of your top selling models and they need your help. IA Dealer Services has partnered exclusively with KYCS Global Inc. to offer dealerships across Canada the Invisitrack Locate Vehicle Recovery Program. Invisitrack Locate is recognized in the insurance industry as a solution to auto theft loss, so much so that insurance providers will waive the premium surcharge for consumers who install an Invisitrack Locate device in their vehicle. You can help your clients by simply adding an Invisitrack Locate with their vehicle purchase. Invisitrack Locate will save your eligible clients between $500 and $2,500 on their insurance surcharge per year for the next five years. Yes, you heard that right. You can save your clients between $2,500 and $12,500 over the next five years, all while adding a new revenue stream to your dealership and providing your customers with the most effective asset location and recovery device on the market. Now is the time to act. Contact your IA Dealer Services consultant today and ask how Invisitrack Locate can help you and your clients save money and recover stolen vehicles before they end up gone forever.
1: Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with the Managing Director of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing, Brendan Sweeney, and the Head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association, Flavio Volpe. My next guest is Flavio Volpe, head of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association. Flavio, thanks for joining me on the show. Happy to be on again. Always great to have you. Well, let's start here. It's the same question I asked Brendan. Your thoughts, your initial thoughts
3: on this PBO report. Don't understand the framing by the PBO. I don't. It, it doesn't make sense, the scoping of it, to turn around and say, well, um, the government's contribution... Uh, is going to be measured against just the revenues you can get from sales and modules. And let's pretend nothing else is happening out of this. And then turning around and saying, well, the payback isn't five years, it's 20 years. I mean, it's kind of like breaking up, uh, you know, turning around and saying, let's analyze apple pies. Uh, and uh, I want to know uh, whether it's worth buying a crust for $6. Um, and ignoring the fact that you got to have apples and the pan and the overhead and the oven and the trees and the farm. And that if you have demand for apple pies, you have all of those things. And if you don't have demand for apple pies, you have none of those things. And so this one is, uh, you know, go back to the drawing board. It's stupid.
1: Let me ask you this. I've asked it before. Are you tired of playing defense? Uh, for the federal government and the auto industry on these investments, because it seems like every few months I'm talking to you about something else or someone else that says this isn't worth it. And, and I had asked you before that we might see you guys playing defense for a very long time. Are you tired of this yet? And how long does it continue?
3: Uh, my family comes from Italy. We've won four world cups, mostly on playing defense. I just didn't think I had to do it in Canada. Uh, it, it it's it does get tiring. We've got a lot of the public gimmick people you know the, the gas price people and the, and the taxpayer people and quotes uh, taking uh, little excerpts or flawed reports like this and trying to dunk on the government. you know you dunk on the government uh, but you're not doing your neighbors uh, or the local industry any favors uh, by putting into the public realm uh, th- things that are wrong like, this money isn't well spent, uh, that these aren't real jobs uh, that build communities. Uh, I'd rather not be playing defense, but I do have you know, an implicit uh, partnership with the federal government uh, that we asked for, which was go do the heavy lifting and make sure that we win these deals. If all I have to do is defend them, that's okay, I'm a big boy. Uh, but, but there is a cottage industry of uh, uh, pseudo-economists Uh, and pseudo people who care about you and me who use days like this because they want to get famous. Nobody can remember their names, uh, but uh, it makes for uh, busy, busy media days for people like me.
1: So then let me ask you this. What do these investments mean for your members? How much are these two factories worth to Canadian suppliers? Maybe not just in Ontario now, but in other parts of the country. How much... Are these two factories worth
3: to your members? So uh, without knowing the battery chemistry yet, although taking a pretty good guess at them and the configuration, uh, we think it's upwards of $3 billion of incremental purchases from Canadian part suppliers uh, annually uh, in this space. The other thing that these factories do is we live in a country that is global top 10 in, in uh, uh, car making But we do not have a Canadian car company. So no decisions are made out of Toronto or Windsor or Ottawa or Calgary or Quebec. So the other way, uh, the only other way for us to make sure that we're included in the next generation of automotive, the next uh, 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 revolution in technology, the next century of making them is you got to be at the core of making the batteries. And so there's the incremental $3 billion a year of purchases from batteries, but the Battery manufacturing locally and some of the R&D investments like Stellantis is making uh, in uh, in Windsor related to this is going to secure the future of the V part of EVs, the actual vehicle manufacturer here in this country. Unless someone launches a Canadian car company or three of them, uh, we are going to be subject to decisions that happen in uh, Europe, in the US and Japan. So we got to bring as much as possible to the table for... Uh, part suppliers, the mining industry, raw materials suppliers, logistics, professional services uh, to uh, to uh, keep being a healthy part of the Canadian economy. So
1: for those who say, you know it's not worth it, um there's there's no return on this investment. What tangible evidence right now can you point to to show these people it's happening? Are there factories now springing up and creating spin-offs or even creating an entirely new supply chain? to these factories as you and I speak. What is happening outside of the battery factory footprints right now that tell those naysayers things are happening?
3: I mean, I'll I'll pick the easy ones. Uh, Magna, the biggest uh, Canadian supplier uh, in this space, uh, as well as one of the world's top three uh, suppliers of uh, auto parts uh, and related uh, goods, uh, committed a half a billion dollars at Canadian locations, uh, current plants and new plants to serve the electrification of automotive. We're seeing massive investments uh, and partnerships from companies like Linamar and Martin Rea in everything from uh, the metals that are required to make uh, precursors uh, and uh, uh, subcomponents of batteries, as well as major gigacastings. These are the biggest employers in the space. This isn't some peripheral new player that hopefully is going to, It's a publicly traded companies that are accountable to, to analysts and, and the market uh, that are doubling down. These are Canadian companies doubling down in their own territories. Uh, these are really, really uh, easy arguments to make. Like companies like Sayona Mining, who are delivering rocks today, uh, for uh, lithium production uh, in uh, in uh, Quebec. Uh, it's, you know, automotive, the beauty of automotive is that it's not about beauty. It's math and science. If you make a car, the cars have parts that have serial numbers on them. You go back to where they're made. You can see the factory, the, pr- the production line, the number of people who are on it, and they all have a bill of materials. There is nothing uh clearer than the uh supply chain uh tree in automotive and uh, there's a lot of trees being planted in uh in canada last question should we expect
1: any more battery plants announcements in ontario or elsewhere
3: uh no question the the only issue is uh timing and scope the world has woken up to the fact that uh, you can build a profitable EV battery uh, operation and supply chain in uh, Canada and that it is strategically located uh, beside uh, the, the biggest uh, automotive, uh, open automotive market uh, in the world uh, with customers with the highest disposable income. And so I know uh, as we are uh, talking today that there are several very serious conversations going on for batteries and for electric vehicle platform manufacturer uh, here. Flavio, as always, appreciate the insight. Anytime. Uh, happy to come on and hit some doubles off the wall off uh, these uh, beach ball arguments
1: being made. I'd like to thank Brendan and Flavio for being my guests this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.